Four has the reality of the ultimate sacrifice. It's so close to home. At our house, he is the known. Sometimes you just gotta use the right thing. Well, welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast, the show for and about the voiceover industry. I'm Stephen Cox. Today's guest is someone who sat on both sides of the glass, both as a creative director and as a voice actor. As a creative, Michael Everard has worked at the top levels of agencies like Deutsch, Gray, and TBWSJT, creating campaigns for DirecTV, Burger King, Expedia.com, and pretty much every car company there is. And he's also done his share of voiceover work, most notably as the voice of California Cheese. He's a good friend, and I'm happy to have him here on the program. Michael Everard, welcome to that voiceover podcast. Thank you, Stefan. It's good to be here. So let's try and bring some perspective to all the voice actors listening. Uh, We read tons of auditions. That's what we do. But we almost never think about the person who has to actually listen to all of those auditions, particularly when they come through a place like Voice Bank, and there can be over 100. That person's been you on a number of occasions. Talk about what that's like. Yeah, my favorite part of the day. Um, It's funny. You mentioned that I've been on both ends of of the spectrum, and I got to tell you, the uh, the auditioning part is, is way more fun than me actually listening to the voiceover auditions. Um, it's it's a long, long, uh, often painful process. Um, you know, it's funny you get you get something from voice bank, and you know, on on any given job, I'll have anywhere from 20 to 120 um, auditions for any job, and uh, you know, the the majority of them are just plain wrong. And uh, after a couple hours of that. You know, your your brain goes numb, your ears go numb, and uh, and you really, you wonder why you're doing it sometimes. <laughs> Do you have to step away and clear your head and renew your perspective? Oh, totally. And you know, it depends. If, if I can do it in chunks of of 20 minutes, um, I'll usually do that. And you keep pretty, pretty copious notes. You know, I have the the five star system. Like, oh, that was a good one. There's a five star job right there. Um, and you know, you try to narrow it down to short lists. And, and the guys that are even you know in the right ballpark, a lot of times we'll just put them onto a short list and and bring them back and listen again a couple more times. Um, but you know, you figure like I'm, I'm doing a casting job right now for a 60-second uh, television spot, uh, like the good old days, the old 60s. And you know, you figure 100 of those—that's that's 100 solid minutes of just listening to somebody read the same script over and over again. So, uh, yeah, we try to break it up in little pieces and uh, and then come back and listen to the, the good guys like, the second or third time even. Now, do you listen to every audition all the way through, or do you get to a point where you're just like you're 10 seconds in and you're listening and you're just like, no, this person's wrong. Yeah, I mean, that happens a lot. It depends. Like, like so when you first start off, I think you do listen to the audition all the way through, at least the first couple guys. Um, but, it, you know, when you write the spot, or when I write the spot, um, you know, I'm writing it from inside my head, and, and I'll probably read that script either inside my head or out loud even, you know, upwards of 100 times myself. So I know exactly what the voice is inside my head. And a lot of times, you know, the voice that comes on just, just won't fit the, the personality. Uh, it's not even the performance. It's just if you hear a guy that's, you know, too squeaky voiced or, or too deep or, or, you know, trying too hard, then, you know, it's easy after just a one sentence to go, nope, next. Um, but that usually starts to happen later on down the list as uh, as you get tired, you're like, forget it. There's nothing you can do about it, obviously, but it's better to be first in the list because you get uh, fresh ears. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you could control it, that would be top 10 would be perfect. You know, somewhere, somewhere in the first 10, you're always, uh, someone always makes it into the list and they become the benchmark. Uh, and then after that, it's okay. So who's who's as good as that guy, or at least close? Is there a consistent quality in a voice actor, a voice talent that you look for in all the things that you've cast? No, you know, not not something across the board. 
I can tell you that depending on on which voice I'm writing for, um, every voice is, is a little bit different. Every character is a little bit different. Um, but one of the things that that really will get somebody noticed is, and everyone talks about this, but if I can spot range in someone's voice, um, meaning they can do two completely different things and do it well and not sound like they're forcing either one of them, um, or if uh, if I like a voice, I'll go back sometimes listen to a, a house demo reel and listen to some of the other stuff they've done. And um, if I know that they've got the ability to take direction and do two or three completely different things with a script, even if none of them are right, I, I can recognize the talent and, and know that in a studio I can get them to, to go where I want them on the script. Hmm. Um, so that's a huge, a huge benefit for somebody. So does it help to have two takes on a read? Oftentimes voice actors will want to do two takes to show range, but uh, I'm not really sure if they get listened to. Do you listen if somebody submits two takes? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, like I said, if I'm listening to 100 auditions, um, and that's a lot of time spent, but if somebody has something even interesting and there's a second take, it does help a lot, uh, especially if, if the take is different. Um, you know, very often you get two takes that are, that are so close it really wasn't worth it. But, you know, having been on the other side of the glass, I think sometimes, you know, I think that uh, I've done like a second take that's remarkably different, and it just isn't. And I think so a lot of times those get frustrating for, for guys like me who are listening to auditions. But um, typically, no. I think, I think a second take, if it shows the right kind of, of chops, um, can help. And I, very oftentimes I've played both takes for my client to prove that, the talent that I'm looking at has, has the ability to, to, you know, take direction well and, and do different things, even if neither one of them was correct, and uh, it's, it's helped out before. Now, once a talent lands a campaign, what's your advice on how best to keep that campaign? Wow, that's, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I've ever, ever seen a, a, a voiceover talent lose a campaign because of something they did. I mean... Uh, if, if someone has a, a gig and they're, and they're doing full-time and they're always the comeback, you know, you and I worked together. Uh, we did the direct TV campaign. Right. And, you know, I thought, you know, the work you're doing was fantastic. And as far as I know, oh, thank you. I think you were still working there when I left. You were still on the campaign. Um, but some guys, you know, end up losing the job because, you know, there's a new marketing director who wants to put his stamp on things. Um, and, or, or creative director above the writer who's picking voices says, we got to change it. He's not... He's not doing something that I want him to do. And somebody else with a vision in their head comes up with something. Um, and a lot of times you'll, you'll see that coming. You'll see the train coming down the tracks, which is, hey, let's go try something different. I know you've been doing this voice for, for six months or a year and a half. Uh, we're going to try something a little more uh, a little more silly. And you know that somebody up, upstairs is pushing buttons. And uh, I think the best thing to do is really just sort of ask and, and understand who's pushing the buttons and who's driving and find out what they're looking for and see if you can deliver on that. Now, you've had talent contact you over the years, put you on mailing lists, send you updates, pieces of swag, things like that. Uh, but how much is too much self-promotion? Swag would be great. Are you kidding? Put a tie a red ribbon on it and a couple of tickets to a Lakers game, and you're in, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, honestly, I, there's not really much of that going on anymore. I, if I get... You know, I've moved around recently, but even when I was at Deutsch for, I think, upwards of seven years, I was only getting a couple of um, unsolicited demos a year. Um, and the truth is they, they just don't, they don't help at all. I mean, I, I get a, a random CD of he could be the best voiceover guy in the world, and if I'm not casting a spot this week, uh, you know, it, it pretty much goes in the trash bin. Um, there's just no need for it. Like he, I know there's a ton of great, talented people out there, and I assume when the job comes up and I write the specs that 
those you know amazing talent agents out there are going to give me the right person, and you know, the process begins. Um, you know, and there are very few relationships. There's a couple guys that I've worked with in the past that you know you've had a relationship with, and you'll go to that well. But otherwise, really, it's it's always a brand new start on every job, and, and having a, a unsolicited demo doesn't really help us out. As I mentioned, you work on both sides of the glass, and so I'm interested in what your experience as a voice actor has taught you as a creative. Oh, wow. Um, not to give awful direction, <laughs> and that I probably very often do. <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, it's it's amazing. Like You hear somebody trying to explain what they want, and some of the direction they give is just absolutely absurd, and it doesn't make any sense at all. And you know what else I've learned? Actually, this is something that just recently happened to me, is the specs on a script when you're auditioning are amazing. I mean, they're always the same. You know, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've written that same spec on, on several of my own scripts. Um, but in my head, what, you know, don't sound announcery means is completely different to somebody else. <laughs> you know, to me, I don't want the guy who's talking like this. And somebody else, an announcer, is just somebody who reads copy every day. Um, and they want something really conversational. Um, but uh, I think, I guess, the the one thing I've learned is that the person on the other side of the glass who's directing you is doing his best to communicate um, what he wants you to do, and it, it almost never jives with what's inside your head. You know, it's like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. So I, I try, actually, I try to use that knowledge from when I'm directing talent uh, more so than, I guess it teaches me patience when I'm actually doing uh, voiceover work. <laughs> well, patience is a good thing in this industry. Uh, has your work as a voice actor affected the way that you write copy? Uh, I think so. I mean, you know, like I said, every script I write, um, I read it out loud to myself a hundred times. And I read it out loud to, you know, bosses and clients and and to them 15, 20 times. Um, And I have found out that occasionally you'll get in the booth and a really long, wonderfully written run-on sentence is almost impossible to perform on a microphone. Um, (laughs) And I, I have a lot of respect for the guys that take that deep breath and nail it without losing their breath. Um, you know, uh, there's that, but, uh, I think, you know, it's funny, uh, the script really does, it begins inside the writer's head and, um, whatever comes out on paper is, is that guy's delivery. You know, everything I write has a a cadence and a rhythm to it. And, and that really is what I'm looking for when I, when I hear those auditions. Um, it's almost as you could crawl inside my head and know exactly what I'm looking for. You get the job every time, you know? Sounds like there's a lot of fate involved with it all. You know, fate's a great word. It's uh, it's funny. I was thinking one of the other things about listening to auditions is, you know, even if if you don't get the script right, if you don't get the performance right, you can't get the job, clearly. But even if you do get the perfect read and you're perfectly made for this spot and and you nail that audition and it ends up on my desk, any number of things could go wrong when I'm listening to those auditions. I mean, the phone could ring at the point when I'm listening to your take and if I'm smart enough or quick enough, I'll hit pause and stop and go back and start over with a fresh head. Um, but I know a lot of times, you know, some voiceovers just get, auditions just get missed. Um, and there is a lot of fate. It depends on what I had for breakfast, what kind of mood I'm in when I'm listening to auditions. Um, I think you have to be good. You have to nail your audition. And then you have to get lucky. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff working against it. So weigh in for us here. Which side do you enjoy more, the, the VO side or the creative side? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I... I think I enjoy the creative process more of, of writing. I love writing scripts. Um, 
but I think I would probably rather do full-time voiceover if I could. I think it's a uh, – you know why? I think because I have more success as a writer. I get more things done and more things sold and more good work done. Um, but I think if I was a successful full-time voiceover guy, I think that's so rewarding. I think I think great performances um, are a kind of high that you get, you know, with any creative endeavor. But it's a lot of fun. Well, Michael Everard, uh, as I knew they would be, your insights are invaluable and I think will uh, perk up the ears of a lot of voice actors listening, uh, particularly in regards to what it's like to be on the other side of the glass. Uh, So thanks so much for joining us on that voiceover podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for calling. That voiceover podcast is a co-production of Half Full and Get Creative Inc. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Cox.